I am comfortable racing. I'm comfortable being on TV interviews, being in the spotlight, but I know there's more out there for me. I'm being called to do more with this. Racing has got me to this point in my life to where I have to make a decision now. If I stay in the driver's seat, what is my future going to look like? Or step out of the seat, do something that I've never done before, something that my family has not done before, and that's creating a digital business, seeing where I can take that. It's scary. I'm just going to go with it and see what happens. You're listening to Femcanic Garage, the podcast that features women in the automotive and motorsports industries, a community that elevates, empowers, and evolves by smashing stereotypes and breaking down barriers for women. I'm your host, Jamie Blossman. Buckle up for the ride, Femcanics. Femcanics, I want to hear from you. Text me what your favorite episode is, how I could improve the podcast, what products would you like to see, but most importantly, I just want to connect with you. Text me at 614-953-6380. Again, that's 614-953-6380. I receive each message directly, and I'm excited to hear from you. Go on, press pause, and save my number, 614-953-6380. Megan Meyer is in the driver's seat today. Megan is an NHRA top alcohol drag race driver. She broke the record for the quickest female pass at 5.15 seconds in 2016 as a rookie, only to break an NHRA 13-year-old class record in 2020 with a run of 5.097 and topping out at 278.81 miles per hour. Not only is she a record-breaking driver, she is a graphic designer and entrepreneur. Sit back and enjoy the ride. Hello, Femcanics. This is Jamie B coming to you, and I have Megan Myers in the driver's seat today. How are you doing this evening, Megan? I am great. Thanks for having me on, Jamie. No, thanks. Thanks for joining us and being willing to chat and dig into who you are, what this is about, and what's on the horizon for Megan Myers. Um, I did the pre-recorded bio, uh, so folks understand some of your accolades and some of your uh, past journey. But if you're open to sharing with the Femcanic community, for those of uh, the listeners that may not follow drag racing or NHRA a lot, could you give the 60,000-foot view of kind of your career in five or ten minutes? And then I will send the listeners to your links where there you have some beautifully done videos documenting your family and your journey over the last 17 your 17 year career yes (laughs) i would love to hear the 60,000 foot version yes um 
So like you just said, 17-year career, I began drag racing myself in 2004. And I have a little sister who's two years younger than me. We both got started at the same time in what's called the Junior Drag Racing League of NHRA, which is the National Hot Rod Association. Now, how we got into it is because my dad, uncle, and older cousins all race. So my dad, um, he started racing back in the 70s with his brother. Um, They were just mechanics, became drivers, started to build cars for other people, build their own cars, started to race professionally. And that was just kind of how their career went. And then um, when my sister and I were old enough, so she was eight and I was 10 years old, we got started in the junior drag racing league, which now they can start kids when they're five and six years old, which to me is just crazy. But, um, I think it's awesome because that was the funnest time I've ever had racing. And I wish that they didn't put an age limit on it, which is 18 years old, because I would love to go back and do that. It was just so much fun being able to, um, just hop in the truck and trailer and drive to our track in Kansas city, which was about 45 minutes away from us in downtown Kansas city. And we just go there on Wednesday and Friday nights. They had tested two sessions and then Saturday and Sundays were the races. And it was just fun. We had a, a community of other kids that raced with us. Um, a lot of them were girls. And um, it's just so cool because now we're all grown up. Um, most of them got out of the sport, especially when they were teenagers and they started to get more involved in other sports in their schools or stuff like that. Um, the ones that did stick in it are still doing it today. And it's so cool to see how that is. One of them being my older cousin. And so from there, um, I just kind of worked my way up the ladder of drag racing, um, just going into the different classes of, and the, the classes are separated out by speed and by the type of vehicle that you're driving. It's not really by age like it was in the, the junior class for the kids. As soon as you're 16 and you have a driver's license, you can step out of that class and race in the adult series. And so that's what I did. Um, and I always knew that drag racing was what I wanted to do because I loved doing it with my family. My dad was gone a lot. We grew up a lot um, with my parents leaving all the time. But I always wanted to do what my dad did. He was my my idol. Megan, I got to ask a quick question just to put this in perspective, because I'm familiar with your story, but some of the listeners may not. What age did you start drag racing? I started when I was 10. So at 10 years old, you're 16 mm-hmm. years old, you move over to start competing with adults. And I'm, am I wrong in saying most of the people you were competing against were probably older gentlemen? Yes, they were. As a 16-year-old girl, I'm sorry. I, I've seen your story, and it's still just like, <laughs> that's, I could just imagine you pulling up next to, in the lane, as a 16-year-old girl. Oh, God, that's an awesome image. What was, what was that like? Was that ever weird for you? To be honest, it wasn't. A lot of the older guys that were racing would race at the same time that the kids would not at exactly the same time because we're racing our, our race and they do their race. Um, we knew who they were and they knew who we were, especially they knew who my dad was. So they, you know, respected him, but it really was not that weird. And I know a lot of people 
think that it is because, you know, male dominated sport and all that. But they were um, very friendly. And especially because as soon as I did turn 16 and got my driver's license, I was going to the racetrack on my own or it was just me and my sister. And so if like we had to work on the motors, it was just us. So a lot of the, the other families and parents, they would come and help us out which meant, you know, means the world to us. And there's actually one family in specific that they just live right down the road from us. And he was one of those older guys racing in the adult class. um, And he really stepped up to help us out when we got to that point where we were independent racing on our own. And now he has two daughters who are teenagers. And so it's kind of funny because he got some practice of dealing with me and my sister while we don't have parents around and how we act. <laughs> so now he knows what's, how to deal with his two daughters. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. It was not easy. I'll tell you that. <laughs> so you're 16. You had already been racing for six years. And the type of car that you drive, again, just to educate those who may not follow NHRA. Mm-hmm. So it's what's considered a super cop dragster. And so there's a lot of different classes, like I said, based on the type of car you race. And this class was at the top of all those classes because it was the fastest one. And it was the only class with dragsters. Now, all the other classes are what we call door cars, which is just like any muscle car, any type of car you you could build to go and race. So you could figure out what class it fitted and race that. So all, all the classes were considered door car classes, and there was one dragster class. We stuck with the dragster class just because that's what my dad drove was a dragster. We were just driving junior dragsters. And so it made sense for us to just kind of stay in that similar type of vehicle, although it was very fast. So we were going from junior dragster racing in an eighth of a mile, going about 80 miles per hour to the super comp class, which goes about 180 miles per hour in a quarter mile. So it was very different. And um, it took a lot of training to get used to it, to be able to do an actual burnout and back up straight and not crooked, not like you're going to face the wall when you launch. And then being able to judge a finish line and make sure you're ahead of the guy within the eight seconds that it takes to get to the quarter mile oh my. at 180 miles an hour. God. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm just saying, <laughs> holy, ma- how do you, Wow, you know, I I've heard this, but it still blows me away. What kind of like G's do you encounter when you're doing that? I don't remember what it was um, when I was driving that car specifically because now I've graduated from that into the the pro ranks. Um, but my car that I race now, from the launch, the most I've pulled is four and a half G's. Oh my god! Yeah. Have you ever gotten sick? No, I haven't gotten sick, but I, there have been moments where um, it just black out for a split second. <laughs> While you're driving the car. I don't know how safe it is. You, black, you like black out for <laughs> Oh, wow. It takes a lot of training to, to get your mind right, to remember exactly everything that goes on. So now I'm racing in the class I'm at now, top alcohol dragster. It's 280 miles per hour and a quarter mile, which is a little over five seconds. So now it takes a long time to train your mind to think how much is going on within five seconds. Yeah. 
(laughs) That's just mind-blowing to me. Yeah, so drag racing is all mental. It's not a very physical sport, especially compared to, like, Supercross, where that's, that's all physical, and, you know, the guys can make the bikes, you know, faster or slower or whatever um and i just know about that because that's what my fiance races <laughs> a, a family of thrill seekers yes <laughs> is it even thrill seeking at that point i mean you've like grown like this is all you've known it it is this is why do you still get a rush i do but um it's it's only when the car's running and i'm in the car strapped in ready to go on the track do you still get nervous or anything no but not for the actual car racing um Uh it's more about me like working up my nerves because i'm racing against someone that i know is really good or i'm chasing them in points or they're chasing me in points um you know then i'll then i'll get all nervous and, and start to freak myself out because i'm like Okay, I have to get a good reaction time because I know he's he's really sharp on the tree, so I got to make sure I'm better than him, and all this stuff. So that's that's about the only thing that's nervous. This is more of curiosity for me, and then we'll we'll dive into some of the other topics. But 2019, you were the world champion for your class. Yes. Were you the? youngest world champion ever because you're not very old you're you just shared with me is it okay if I share your age yes you're 26 years old that's not very old no and um I don't think I am the youngest because they have not told me that so be curious to look up Mm -hmm. and are you the first female world champion in that class Yes. That's total badassery, by the way. (laughs) And and, and I'll I'll tell you, I have to share this with the femme community because I've said it before. I'm I'm very particular with who I have on the Femme Canon Garage podcast because there's a certain brand image that is important to me. Mm -hmm. And whenever... I ask people to be on it before I ever ask or I reach out to anyone or follow people for that matter on Instagram or Facebook. I do my research and we were at the Women in Auto Care conference in at the beginning of this year and this year's 2020 and you were speaking and I'm like, "Wow, she seems very authentic and genuine. Is she the real deal? Is Megan Myers the real deal?" It's like, okay, you're accomplished. I see that, and that's great. But there's this whole thing that I struggle with where women sexualize themselves a lot in the automotive industry or motorsports industry. I'm like, okay. So I went to your Instagram, and I did a you know one of those swipes where it's it scans a whole bunch, right? Because it's like, okay, if recent, maybe they're not as risque or whatever, but let, let's see what the earlier posts are. And you are such a woman of class, Megan. I have so much respect for you. You you are a beautiful young woman and you let your accolades speak for themselves. You don't sexualize yourself. You let your your class and respect speak for itself. And and I have so much admiration 
And you're such an inspiration to young women across the United States and, and the world around that of how you can be respectful, not sexualize yourself, but totally embrace your femininity. And you do it with such grace. So kudos to you. I was just thoroughly impressed. Well, thank you, Jamie. I really appreciate that. And that's something that, um, you know, it's it's never really been something that I've thought about to post a picture that is risque or revealing or post like a picture in a swimsuit or sports bra. It's like to me that that grosses me out and I'm not comfortable with that at all. And I don't know if it's just because, you know, I'm racing with my family and my dad and I don't want my dad to see a picture like that of me up on the internet. You know, that's disgusting. Um, but I do see a lot. I'm sorry. I'm back here laughing. (laughs) You're like, that's disgusting. (laughs) Like, like, I don't know if girls think about this stuff when they post it on the internet or if they're just trying to get famous quick. Um, Uh. (laughs) I don't even know what goes through their minds, but yes, I do see a lot of it in racing. Um, thankfully there's not a whole lot in NHRA. I mean, I can probably name on one hand, a couple of drivers that are girls that I know do it. And, um, at the same time, I'll tell you that they are not full-time drivers. They are doing it for attention to try to get sponsorships and the sponsors probably see that. And they probably think the same thing that we're thinking. And that's why they don't race full-time is because they don't have funding. And I mean, I'm just talking out loud right now, but, um, yeah, it's, it's gross. And it just creeps me out the comments that these guys leave even on my stuff where I'm fully clothed and they still creep me out and I tell them and I block them and so other guys see that and know not to do that or else you will get blocked good for you Megan and you know part of your venture and we'll get into this in a little bit is uh you do social media and really starting to turn it into a craft and you've been honing that craft for multiple years now And we'll get into that in just a little bit. But what great advice for the younger generation on how to navigate this? Because it's just not needed. It's not. And and you... You are exactly right. (laughs) and, And you are a prime example of what you do, of what can be done with class and grace. And I, I love it. And, and it's consistent. It's it's not up and down. It's consistent. And that's what, and if I'm being honest, like I, I listened to part of your talk because I was, and the other part I was looking at your Instagram because I, I, I was so pleasantly surprised. And that's where, you know, I, I actually didn't even seek you out. You happened to be standing next to me before we were walking in somewhere and we just started chatting. And I think I shared mm-hmm. that with you there as well, where it just... We need more of that. We need more of that. And the what is everywhere in the internet is how to let your, hopefully this doesn't offend you, but your titties and ass hang out. And there's tons of that everywhere and showing women how to do that. But how? what's the other way? Let's do it a different way. And I, I just, you've just nailed it. A world champion, sponsorship. And you did it with class and grace. This is how it's done. And once someone 
like shows the path or lights the way in a path, it makes it a lot easier for other people to follow. I agree. And I want to give credit to the girls that mentored me while I was growing up, because I think a lot of it has to do with them. And there was there, they were sisters. They were twins, actually. And one of them drove for my dad, drove his car in 2008. And the other one drove for a different team, but they were racing in the same class. And these two sisters are originally from Australia. Their their dad races, so we come from a very similar background. He came to the States to start racing because we race more often than they do in Australia. Just It's just more, more televised, just it's bigger over here than it is over there. So they got started. And let's see, 2008, I was in high school. I don't know. I don't remember exactly how old I was. Um, but... They really paved the way for me and showed me what was possible if I wanted to stick with a career in drag racing. And one of them was into photography, marketing, graphic design, and the other one was into business and all that stuff. So I kind of merged what both of them um, taught me and they they showed me what it's like to to you know do it with class. You don't need to reveal any skin or anything like that. Um, and so I just want to give credit to them. And that's really where this all started. That's when social media was just starting to to blow up, to be thought of, to be used for more than just personal use. And um, yeah, it's just you you know there's it's so easy to tell when you're scrolling on someone's Instagram or Facebook to tell if they're the real deal or if they're not just by what the the pictures that they post. And I mean, it's very easy to separate the females in motorsports from the ones that are dead serious about it, doing it long-term and the ones that are just there for the attention. And unfortunately the ones that are there for the attention get more attention sometimes than the ones that are there for the real deal and that are there for actual, um, you know, searching for funding, wanting to be professional drivers or even just crew members, you know, they don't have to be drivers. Yeah. But, you know, once you find the ones that are real, um, you know, you, you make a, a good connection with them and they're lifelong friends. And I'm, I'm thankful to have a group of friends that, are on the same, you know, same mindset that I am when it comes to this topic. Yeah, and getting to know you more and and checking out Instagram and and all those things and and you're right. It doesn't take long. You do a little bit of scrolling, you definitely see a theme. And it it's just that genuine female empowerment with with grace and class. And that, and that's all I want Femcanic Garage to be and you fit perfectly into that storyline. So I I said it before and I'll say it again. I genuinely appreciate you taking the time to share with the Femcanic community how to do these things. And, you know, you're going to be going through a transition here where at some point you're going to be done racing. You're getting ready to get married. I, I You didn't indicate, but I don't know if you and your um, fiancé in the near, in the future sometime plan on having kids but 
if you start your own family and you start taking your life down a different path a little bit. And to be able to, for your children to go back and look at your posts and you not be ashamed of what they might find, (laughs) right? There's something to be said for that. I have a 12-year-old daughter and I'm not ashamed for her to go on the Femcanic Garage page and look at things. And that's ultimately what I want to get to. And you seem very much aligned with that. Thank you. And yeah, I just want to point out that I know everybody knows this, but once you put something on the internet, it is always there, especially a picture. And even like I've had some weirdos print out copies of my high school senior pictures because I put them up on the internet and I can't figure out how to delete them. Print them out and send them to me to autograph. And it's just like, why? Like, how creepy is that? I mean, they're not bad pictures or anything. Are you kidding me? No, I get a lot of weird um, requests from guys. Are you ever scared? No, but they do, um, you know, they do uh, make me a little bit nervous. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because the the thing with NHRA, which is different than NASCAR, is when when you think about pits, it's open pit. Anyone can walk back there, right? Yes, it is. And it's even gotten to the point where we've had drunk guys at the end of a race where everybody's cleaning up, you know, getting ready to leave, packing up pits, where guys have gotten into our trailers and and stuff like that um, because they're they're drunk and they don't know what they're doing they just want to hang out with the racers and it's very um, oh my god it's very nerve-wracking and it, there's more more of the the stereotypes of the you know being a female in a male-dominated sport um the hard you know whatever we have to go through and all these rumors of stuff like Girls have better reaction times than guys and blah, blah, blah. Trust me, I have lost many times to guys because I've had bad reaction time. That rumor is not true. But it's the it's the fans and the spectators and the people online that are making it like that. It's not the other racers. I'll tell you that. I've, mm-hmm. I've gotten so much respect from the guys that I'm racing against that have been doing this for 20, 30 years. And here I'm the new kid on the block and winning and they're not you know saying bad stuff about me or or stuff like that because they they've known me my whole life they've known that this is what I wanted to do they they know my dad and his history and all his stuff that he's accomplished they they've respected me and welcomed me with open arms when I did finally make that jump into racing professionally with them it's more from the fans and the spectators that creep me out that it's like Man, just sometimes I wish that we did have those limits like NASCAR did just so I could take a step away from them. Um, And and sometimes there is an appropriate touching or whatever whenever they want to get a picture and they might pull you in real close. And it's just, it just creeps me out. Oh, that like makes me vomit in my mouth. And and I I immediately think of like my 12-year-old daughter. I'm like, I would... I don't know how your fiance does it or your dad. Like I would, without wanting to like beat someone down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or unfortunately. 
did, how does your fiance handle that? Well, he does not come to my races. A lot of it is because he's off racing his dirt bike or he's doing something. He's got many hobbies. But he also gets really bored <laughs> at my races because we only run two or three times a day. And it's only, I mean, it's only 15 minutes total from the time I get into the car to the time I get out of the car. And the rest of the time is us working on the cars and tearing the motors mm-hmm. apart and back together. So it's a little boring at times because you, you hurry up and wait. And then you yeah. just got to wait for them to call you up so you can make your next run and then hurry up and wait again. And it's like that all day, every day. So it's not really his thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if, if he does racing himself, sitting on the sidelines and just watching <laughs> is opposite of like actually getting in it and doing it. It makes sense. Yes, for sure. I want to talk a little bit about this transition that you're making And I know that this is your last year of actual racing, and you're going to be doing a transition into that next phase. What's next for Megan Myers? I am figuring that out. So I know that to get to this point of where I am, which was for me to start professionally, started five years ago. And like I said at the beginning, my dad and I made a plan to make this happen. And so my career to get to this point may have been predestined, but it's not, you know, the end all be all. There's a lot of roads to success in the drag racing industry or just in motorsports in general. And I am still figuring out exactly where I'm going to take it after I am done driving. But it's it's extremely scary thinking about it because I never really had like an exit plan. And I knew this day would come. I knew that one day I would want to have kids and start a family on my own. And, you know, there's no way that I'm going to drive a race car while pregnant. I'm still figuring it out. Yeah, that harness wouldn't, wouldn't work well with those Gs. And- <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. But yeah, so my, what I love to do is the marketing side of it. Um, I love social media and especially with us going through the coronavirus, you know, it shows that social media is something that's very vital that businesses need. A lot of stores that weren't online are online now because of what's going on. And so that's kind of where my zone is. i grown up with social media. I had MySpace before Facebook and all that stuff. So I've always been digital, always been on the computer. Wow. I haven't heard MySpace in years. (laughs) Yes. Oh, I, I don't even know if my profile would still be up there, but I'm. Is that, I haven't even tried that. Is that website even still up? I have no idea. Wow. I I mean, I'm MySpace is still around at this time. It, it could be. I, I'm surprised it went under. Yeah. Well, I think it's more for music now. Um, but I loved it because that's what got me my my foot in the door with website design was learning how to code my MySpace profile the, the way I want it to be with the different colors and pictures and all that. So do you do any web design or is it just minor CSS work that you do or? 
I have before, and that's what one of my my minors were in college was. So my major in college was graphic design management. My minors were in printing and website design. To be honest, I don't really do it anymore just because it's one of those things that changes so fast that if you're not up to date with it, that you're like, you're going to miss out on everything. And that's kind of what happened to me. So once I graduated college, I immediately started racing. I did not go into the normal um, routine of giving, getting a job and all that stuff. Um, I kind of just started my own thing. I, you know, my parents are both entrepreneurs. I always kind of had that mindset. So I started my own business, which was doing graphics and website design for other racers. And I, you know, website design was something that not a lot of people wanted. Again, at this time, they, they don't think they need it for them. They don't think that's good for marketing. So it kind of faded away. And I'd only do like one website project a year, maybe two if I was lucky. And so it kind of got to the point to where I don't understand the coding anymore. And there's there's so many different languages out there now that when I was in college and building a website from a blank page, writing only HTML and CSS, like there's so much JavaScript and JSON and all this stuff out there that I have no idea how to use it. So I know there's a lot of new websites now that do just drag and drop because a lot of people don't understand how to code and I don't blame them. So um, I do my own website and the Randy Meyer Racing Team's website. Um, I handle all that stuff. And then just for like my past clients, I'll update their websites. But as far as like going into the future and new clients, I really don't do much website design other than something that would be um, simple for me to create. When I hear you talk, I hear an excitement around the social media and marketing side of things. Yes. Marketing and social media, yes, they cross over, but they can stand on their own as well. Yes. And um, for me, it's figuring out how to create a personal brand on social media and leveraging that. So to where do I want to be just an influencer on social media, which I know that term is still relatively new um, for for everybody, but an influencer is just someone that gets paid to basically promote a product. And it could either getting paid by like the number of sales, like you get a discount code and you get like 10% off whatever you sell or or the company pays you an X amount of dollars to per post, whatever. Or do I want to use it for educational coaching, stuff like that? And that's where, um, and I have been an influencer in the past and I am right now because there are certain products that I am sponsored by that I do get commissions off of when I post products and, and sell stuff for them. But I am wanting to go more into that coaching educational side and taking what I've learned over the years and putting it in formats that will help other people in motorsports and in automotive to help them grow their businesses. I want to kind of take a step back a little bit and talk about this influencer piece because this is uh, this is huge and, and it is relatively new. And I think a lot of companies are trying to figure out what influencers should be paid. There's all this conversation around it. 
Now, when you say there's products that you'll promote, just because folks so far in the this conversation know that you have a sponsor for your drag racing in NHRA, what you're talking about is something different. Am I right on that? You are. So like NGK Spark Plugs and Lucas Oil are my two biggest sponsors for the racing. And while I do promote them a lot on social media, because that is part of our deal, um, I do have separate sponsors that I work with only on social media. I do not promote them when I'm at the racetrack. I do not put their logo on the car just because that's extra exposure that we would have to charge them because that would be us advertising for them. And they, um, you know, they didn't want to do that. They just wanted to stick to social media, digital marketing only. So um, two of the companies that I work with right now are Mammoth Coolers, which are just coolers. Um, They just came out with soft-sided coolers. They have tumblers, um, stuff like that. Very similar to like Yeti coolers and uh, Australian gold sunscreen, which is very popular. Everybody has used it before. And so they uh, reformulated their sunscreen. So they're pushing it out right now to a lot of different influencers on social media to promote their products. Did they reach out to you and ask or? They did reach out to me, which um, is very unique. Um, And it's because it was from people that I've known and worked with in my past that recommended me um, for them to work with. So, for example, to to work with Mammoth Coolers, I had actually never heard of them before. And because they're not sold in stores, the way that we got connected was of a friend that I had met while I was in college. And he was a videographer. We kind of, we didn't really stay in touch after college, but he did come, he was a couple years older than me. So he graduated before me. He came back to the school to, to, you know, tell the kids what he was doing. And we reconnected then because I was getting into videography, learning about how to use it because I, I'd work on stuff while I was at the track and bring it back to the classroom so I could work on it and learn more. So like at this time I was taking my GoPro and mounting it onto the cars and, and I was trying to figure out how to use the, the software to make videos and all that stuff to put on YouTube. So he start he works at an agency now, which started representing Mammoth Coolers and they wanted um, to grow on Instagram and Facebook. So he had thought of me and reckoned me to work with them. So I had a, a call with the owners and we came up with a plan products so I could use and promote them. And I loved them. So it was something that I agreed to, to promote. So that's kind of how that worked. And just so folks get an idea, how many followers do you have on Instagram? On Instagram, I believe I just reached the 30,000 mark. And on Facebook? Facebook is a little bit less. I believe it's only 25,000, which is still like a huge amount. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I I don't want to say just like me, like 25,000 is small. (laughs) Yeah, no, those are decent followings there. The whole thing around that is kind of a mystery. Like you said, influencer is relatively new. And I still feel like that's still getting the foundation laid around the process around how that even works, right? So you had the product, you test drove it first to make sure it was something you were comfortable representing. Did, yes. Am I understanding you right? Yep. 
That makes sense. And the other the other product that you're representing, how did you get into, it's like sunblock, right? Yes, it is. So the way how that worked was kind of a similar situation. So I was, um, during college, I was doing a, center, a summer internship for a marketing agency that was working inside an HRA. So I was still able to go to races um, and, you know, still do everything I wanted to do during the summers and um, getting internship experience working at this marketing um, agency. And through that, uh, one of the activation points, what we call, which is where you go to um, when you're at a race and you have all the vendors there and they have all these interactions that you can do. I was working um, at one of them as one of the girls that, you know, I wasn't wearing anything um, skanky, I want to say. But the girls to draw them into the booth to get them to give them their email address on the iPod. And then, you know, they take their picture or whatever. And then so that way the company gets their contact information and all that stuff. So thank you for clarifying that, Megan, because I I hate to say it, but a a lot of people, if you say that you're doing that role as a female, I don't care what anyone says. The majority of people automatically think you're wearing a too small of tank top with your boobs hanging out and skin tight. And what you're saying is that's not how you are representing yourself, which does not surprise me at all because you're a woman of class. So thank you for clarifying that. Yeah. Well, yes, but I'm not saying that there weren't girls like that. Yes. Um, I have no doubt. That's not one of them. (laughs) (laughs) One of the girls that I was working with, she was kind of, I don't know exactly like what her role was, but she was one of the, you know, the head girls that kind of overlooked all the other, the models that were there. We had become friends through racing and she was dating one of the racers at that time. Anyways, we, you know, just stay connected on social media. I didn't really see her that much at the races after my internship was over and I was done with that. Anyway, she had started working for Australian Gold Sunscreen. She got out of the drag racing world, started working for them. And I believe they're in California and that's where she's at. They reformulated. They wanted to reach out to influencers to advertise for them instead of them paying so many dollars to advertise on billboards or in magazines, stuff like that. They can just pay half the cost to or either not even pay them, but just giving the product for free. So their only cost is product, giving it to people to use and promote on social media. If, if this doesn't share the story of, you know, networking and always leave a positive impression, I don't know what does. Because th- th- this happened, this came back to you years after the fact, right? Yes. Yes, it's been years. And I say this all the time on the podcast. It, this is just about keep showing up. The The more you keep and the longer you keep showing up, things like this start happening. Just because you keep showing up. Yes. Now I have to call you out here because you said it so casually and you're so modest. But you mentioned the models. Have you modeled? No. You've ne- and you've probably had t- people tell you that you could model. Yes. Now, it sounds like you've made a conscious decision not to model. Is that true or just? 
You're correct. I that's not something I would want to do. Do you do you care talking a little bit about that? Because you're so humble and modest <laughs> about this, and and like you, I could tell you were almost uncomfortable saying the models. Well, <laughs> you you were a model <laughs> in the, in that environment in that split second. Mm-hmm. But why the conscious decision not to? Because um, what well, as far as how it goes, being at the racetrack and seeing the models, which you don't really see a lot of them in NHRA. You do a lot in other motorsports, especially like in Supercross, you have the monster energy girls. Whereas like, we don't really have that in drag racing. Um, I really don't see that as a sustainable career path. Um, I don't see, honestly, you just are there to look good and to attract these old creepy guys. And that's not something that I am attracted to. And <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm not comfortable with first off um, just exposing myself in those outfits. And then also, um, you know, just being there just for looks, you know, you feel it's very one dimensional. Yes. I thought I'd help you out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's almost not honoring you yourself by doing that because it's too one dimensional. Yes, it is. And like, I mean, these girls are absolutely beautiful. So, um, you know, I'm not knocking them, but it's just for me, I'm just, I'm not comfortable with it. Even just like going to take my picture, like for hero cards, for new headshots, stuff like that. I want to be fully clothed. It is awkward and I feel weird sometimes when I do it, especially when you get your hair and makeup all done and you take hours to look good in these photos for guys to have you sign it and then them hang it up on their wall. I just don't really see the point in all that. <laughs> when you put it that way, that's some, <laughs> uh, there, uh, and there's a couple of things there too. And anyone who goes out and checks out your website, if they, if they, haven't seen you before even without makeup or anything you, you don't at least at the conference you did not wear a lot of makeup it, it was pretty basic natural things is that typically the way you roll yeah I don't hardly ever wear makeup unless I'm going out on a date or out with some girlfriends or um at the racetrack and I only wear makeup at the racetrack on Sunday because that's the only days that they do TV interviews with us. Um most of the time I don't I don't ever wear makeup when I'm at home, especially when um I have to go into um the office with my parents. And a lot of that is because we get customers that come into our shop. So my parents let me back up my parents also own outside of racing they own um a tow truck repair dealership and i work there um three or four days a week and when i'm there i'm the receptionist i just help out in the office whatever the girls need up front i can help them out with i am the youngest person there and we get a lot of these guys that come in and I've had one of them ask me out on a date before, um, and they just they just creep me out. And then the other guys that work there are like, "Hey, you know that's the owner's daughter," and it's just it's just weird. So I don't wear makeup. I wear sweatshirts and jeans. I try to blend it as much as possible, and I'm just 
you know, I go to the gym before or after work, so I'm sweaty. Um, I don't want to wear makeup. Um, I only do it if I have to. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm bringing this up because just to put this in perspective, when when you say even naturally, you're you are a beautiful woman, but to spend an hour or so doing makeup in preparation for these pictures and things, and I'm I'm bringing this up because when you see social media posts, right? everything's always hunky-dory and everything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And to as, as women, we tend to critique ourselves a lot um, where that's – it's refreshing to hear that. And, and I'm laughing over here because you're like, I, I wear baggy sweatshirts and <laughs> jeans where you're trying to blend in. And you still, even in baggy sweatshirts and jeans, you still can't blend in. <laughs> You've mentioned the the creepy situations and the uncomfortable situations. Mm-hmm. If you had an opportunity to tell men, hey, if you meet someone that you think is an attractive woman that is uh, accomplished in maybe a sport that they really like or admire, what is a tactful, respectful way to approach that per- that woman? Or do you mean, like, for them just being a nice guy, like, want to give a compliment, or, like, actually interested in them? By interested, do you mean, like, ask them out on a date type thing? Yes. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's start with compliment, because... <laughs> Maybe the other just for sheer entertainment purposes for conversation. Because <laughs> I imagine some of, some of them are, hey, I, I admire what you do. I respect you. But it's it's almost, I don't know if they just don't know any better or they don't understand boundaries. I, I don't know. But it, it does happen often. But what would what would your recommendation be to them on how to handle that? To be honest, I I mean, just try your best to not sound creepy. Um, you know, if you want to give a girl a compliment, I mean, don't do the cat holes or, or somewhere where they're like, Oh, nice smile. Um, or, you know, where they're like trying to do a pickup line or something where it's like, I don't even, I don't even can't even think of one right now, but just try to just be genuine, be authentic just try to be nice about it without crossing that line of creepiness. And creepiness is references to body parts or <laughs> would you agree to that? Yeah, it's just more physical. It's so funny. My favorite thing that happens when our customers come into our shops and they see our hero cards that are up on the tables for them to take with them. And it's funny, they, they pick it up and they look at it. And then they look at me and then they look at it again and they're like, you look different. It's like, yeah, because I spent three hours getting my hair and makeup done for that photo. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. I don't know exactly what to say, but just being genuine. And especially if it's someone that does not know much about the sport or industry that they are in, um, admit to it. Because there's a lot of times where I can tell that a guy's faking it or that they actually have no idea what they're talking about, but they know their cousin's neighbor that used to race. So they think they know. 
they're the expert in it. Like, no, just stop. You're you're better off to ask a question and be educated rather than act like a know-it-all. Yes, exactly. I I would respect them so much more if they just be honest and say, I've never been to a race before, but, you know, could you tell me what, like, what happens? Like, what it's like? And, you know, they might have seen it on TV, but it's completely mm-hmm. different being there in person because, like you said, you can go in the pits. If I'm being honest, I didn't expect the interview to go this way, but th- this is a yeah. fascinating thing where it's trying to figure out how to navigate these things. You know, one is when we talk about social media and right now you have an interest in may explore where that takes you further around social media promoting and maybe helping other people really drive their social media presence. But how to handle once you're on social media, that's one thing to build up social media. But when you build up social media, how you handle the comments, how you handle the people, that's interesting to me. And to be honest, probably the thing that I was least prepared for. Do you know what I mean? Like the, I I mean, you've referenced it, like the creepiness and how to handle that. Mm -hmm. Do you you ever get used to that? You think you do. (laughs) And then someone will say something that makes you not, you, you know, it's not normal. Yeah. And that's, that is something that I never really thought of while I was growing my social media and it's not something that people talk about and it's not, I think it is. I think it's something that we should bring more attention to because there's probably at least a hundred guys that I have blocked on my social media. And I I had someone send me a message one time and it was from a, a guy and he was like, are you really going to block these people just because they they comment on your picture to give you a compliment? And I said, yes, because when they, they tell me like how sexy they think I am, um, that makes me very uncomfortable to the point where I don't even want to pull up my own social media profile because I don't want to read the comments of what people, these keyboard warriors are saying. and. And it it creeps me out to the point to where I don't even want to use it, but it's something that, you know, I have to use for business and because I love it. So yes, I'm going to, I'm going to block them because first off, it's not um, helpful in any way. And it's not going to like get you anywhere with me. And it's like, like, what if my dad saw that? Like he's not on any type of social media. He doesn't even know how to spell Facebook. Um, but like if he saw that, like, and like, what if he, that's a father who's commenting on people? Like what if his daughter saw that? Like, yeah, I don't think they think about that. What would you tell other women out there that battle this? I, I find it interesting that that gentleman referred to it as a con- is it really a compliment if someone feels uncomfortable? Is that really a compliment then? No, I don't think so. Um, and the way how I've handled it is to, if it's someone that I've seen do it repeatedly, I'll just go to their profile and block them if I just can't stand what they're saying. Um, 
or if it's someone that's that's new i don't recognize who they are and maybe they'll just do it like every now and then i'll give them a warning i will comment back to them and say something all along the lines of like please stop like you're creeping me out um if you don't if you keep repeating this i will block you and i've had guys that have come back and apologized and they've gotten better yeah i think there's you just need to figure out um for other women what are you comfortable with and then knowing that line and knowing when you need to block someone and not worrying about how many followers you have and not worrying about you know your count going down because you you block someone it's not about that it's it's all about what you're comfortable with it's your platform so if someone is is pushing you to the point to where you don't even want to log into it you need to get that person out of your your content just block them and that that's just really the only thing you can do on social media that is such great advice megan and and you're right we don't talk enough about these things and the reality is is social media is so prevalent right now whether it's just personal and or business that we need to have more conversations about this and it's one thing to be in the shop or in the pits and having conversations about feeling comfortable in quote unquote your work environment. But the reality is, is social media is kind of like your work environment, even if it's personal use. And saying what you just said, giving women the permission and giving them solid advice on how to handle it. Hey, if it was borderline, reach out to them and say, stop it. And if you're not going to, I'll block you. Mm-hmm. That's so freeing to hear that. Good. In in as simple as it sounds, sometimes we just need to hear it's okay. Isn't that crazy? But it's true. Yes. I yeah. know I, I did that with my grandfather all the time where it's like, you know... My gut's telling me this is right, but why is this still so hard? And as soon as he said, it's okay, that's all I needed. And then it w- I was unwavering with it. And sometimes yeah. we just need that. That's so special. Yeah, and another thing that I wanted to say is to to go and look at your own profile. Um, and if you are getting, getting comments that make you uncomfortable, um, you know, it could just be someone saying, you know, trying to give you a nice compliment to the point of where someone's like, hey, I want to be a sugar daddy, <laughs> which I've had that happen to me. Um, look, go back to your own profile and just have like, um, have like a fresh pair of eyes to look at it and think and put yourself in like their shoes and think as if it's something that is attractive to them. I mean, for us, we're since we're in this this industry in automotive that's a lot of guys you know they're going to see the car pictures and motors and all that stuff so they're going to like that but it's it's the other ones are you you posing in a way that's going to make them want to comment are you you know wearing something that's going to make them want to say something and if if that's the point then look you need to go back to how you're creating your content and and refigure it to a way that is more authentic to you and that will attract who you want to actually be associating with 
on social media because if it's not the target audience that you want, then you need to switch gears and go towards what they would want. If it's, if that is something that you want to, um, you know, you want to change, you need to, you need to go back and look at what you're doing. And if, if you notice there's something wrong, something that's getting more attention than normal, um, in a bad way, then try not to repeat that. That's great advice. We, we had the conversation before the interview where it's like, I'm not sure exactly where this interview is going. And here you are just dropping knowledge bombs <laughs> on, on the audience because everyone is in social media. This is applicable to everyone, not just entrepreneurs and small business owners. This is applicable to everyone and anyone who has had any social media account. Mm-hmm. So I greatly appreciate your willingness to share this and I appreciate you being you and it it takes courage to do what you're doing because it's not the popular thing. The popular thing is what we have discussed in I, I it's been a minute since I used that word, but I'm I'm going to steal it from you and, and to dress skanky and, you know, <laughs> do a lot of those things. That's the popular easy thing and the acceptable thing. So doing what you're doing takes courage to bucket and to challenge the norm. So kudos to you, Megan. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And yeah, same goes for me stepping out of the seat. I am comfortable racing. I'm comfortable being um, on TV interviews, being in the spotlight, doing all that stuff. But I know there's more out there for me. I know that I'm being called to do more with this. Racing has got me to this point in my life to where I have to make a decision now to where if I stay in the driver's seat, what is my future going to look like where I'm already at the top? Where can I go from here? Or step out of the seat, do something that I've never done before. Um, something that my family has not done before, um, and that's creating a, a digital business and seeing where I, I can take that just based on what I've learned over the years from using social media and digital marketing. It's scary and it's it's uncomfortable figuring out where I'm going to go with this and it's not normal and, you know, I'm just going to go with it and see what happens. What's the scariest part about it to you? I think just because it's it's all so new. It's not a traditional business where you go and open up a store and you sell products or you, you have a service, um, which is what my parents do. And it's, it'll be completely digital. Um, I'll just have like eBooks or PDFs um, or webinar trainings or video trainings. I don't know like exactly what I w- I'm going to figure out like for my content wise, um, but I am working on. Um, so what I'm loving to do right now is scheduling out content, which is what I had talked about um, when I was speaking at Women in Auto Care. And so I want to build more on that, creating content pillars and then scheduling that out. You're hired. I hate doing that. (laughs) 
oh my gosh, I, I, I'm hearing you talk about it. I'm like, yes, we need that. We need that. Yeah. So I, I just got to figure out how I'm going to take everything that I've learned and make it applicable to, to other people. <laughs> if you need a guinea pig to partner with, let me know. It's scary switching directions. It is. And, and especially if it's changing uh, an entire way of income, right? And an entire way of how you make income. It's, it can be scary. Yeah, especially going into this time of starting a family where, you know, we need that reliable income to, to take care of them. Well, you are setting yourself up and you're coming up with a plan. And, and it's, you know, this is something that you've been doing really for years, Megan. And to your point, it's just a matter of figuring out how to package it in such a way to sell it. And, and that can be hard. Um, the The best advice I can tell you is, as crazy as it sounds, find a couple trusted people or brands that will allow you to screw up a lot on their dime <laughs> as crazy as it sounds that trusts you and is willing to see it through completely with you and you will find those those brands does that make sense yes that does and it's uh, just trial and error that yeah. i mean there's just no two ways about it yeah, I completely understand. No, that's great. Thank you. I, I, I'm excited to watch your journey and see how this unfolds for you over the next year. I, I, would, I would be honored to have a mastermind conversation with you. I would love that, Jamie. Thank you. Well, Megan, I have really enjoyed our conversation and I loved where it went organically and I've learned a lot from you as well in this and I think from a uh, social media perspective the listeners will get a lot of value out of the information nuggets that you are willing to share with them so I, I appreciate that that's great and thank you I think this has been my most personal podcast that I've done typically it's just about racing how I got started um, you know, race results from the past year, things like that. So thank you for having me on. I've greatly enjoyed our conversation today. I have too. If you are open to it, I would love to do a red line round with you where it's just five rapid fire questions. There's no right or wrong answer to it. Whatever pops into your head is the right answer. Are you up for that? Yes, let's give it a shot. All righty. Who or what has been your inspiration throughout your journey in the industry? Well, outside of my dad, I would say that um, the the twin sisters that I had mentioned earlier, they really helped me get started and figure out where I want to go with my career in drag racing. Can you share their names? Yeah, it's Kate and Diana Harker. I know um, one of them had moved back to Australia. The other one is here, but I don't think she's involved in racing anymore. Well, hi to both of you, and thanks for being a great mentor and inspiring Megan because you're making waves sister where do you go or what resources do you use when you want to learn something new or get stuck on a job or not job per se or maybe it's just something that you're working on 
Instagram. I, I love to look at other um, accounts that are outside of racing industry, see what they're doing to kind of get my um, creative juices flowing and then figure out ways to apply that to us. Do you, do you have any particular that you look at for inspiration? Yeah, there's a couple. Um, Jasmine Starr is one of my favorites and also Jenna Kutcher. So they're both Ooh. photographers. Um, Jenna's have, a badass. Her podcast is super cool. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I have absolutely nothing to do um, with what I'm doing, but I can uh, take what they're learning from their podcast or from their Instagram or YouTube and figure out ways to apply that to our marketing efforts. So this next question it's going to be twofold. It's going to be racing career versus what's coming up because you're kind of in that cusp. What excites you most about what you do? And let's let's apply that to the racing career and racing. And then I'd love to get your take on your business mind as well. But let's start with racing. It would be winning, um, going rounds, um, the adrenaline rush. Um, once we get started and not stopping until we made it to the very end. Um, like I said, there's a lot of hurry up and wait. So once you can get going and get that momentum and keep going, um, it's so much fun. And what about the this pivot that you're making in creating your own business and the business side of things? What What excites you most about that? I love the fact that it's me. Um, my whole life, it's been kind of all about my dad and I don't want that to to come off in a bad way but this is this is all me and what I want to do and what I've learned and what I can create so I'm gonna try to go as big with it as I can that is beautifully said and and I don't think that sounds bad at all I mean it, your father is accomplished in his own right in I imagine in the racing community, it's it's always well. This is this is his daughter, and it, you know what I mean. There's always that kind of comparison, so to speak. Yes, you're almost like a shadow, almost like not that you are in his shadow, but it's kind of like an elder thing. Yeah. What is a personal habit or practice that has helped you significantly in the industry? when you feel stuck or discouraged? And I'm, I'm actually, if it's okay with you, I some of these I'd like to go twofold. So you have your racing career, and I would love to get your take again on the business side of things. So on a racing career side, what's a personal habit that you, or practice that you do when you feel stuck? I like to just read over previous articles of when we, you know, if we're in a bad rut, uh, look back at a time we were successful and just get that that mindset going again because when you are down in racing and other people are faster than you and better than you it is all mental so it's very um easy to get down on yourself and lose your confidence so looking back at those times where you were doing good and you were winning rounds you know it's it's a good spot to put you when you arrive at the track and have that fresh in your head so that way you feel a lot better when you get into the car and what about your business, the business side of things? What's a personal habit or practice when you feel stuck? You're getting your business going and you feel stuck. What What's something that you do? Right now, it's just looking at what other people have done that 
have done something similar to what I wanted to do and, and kind of seeing how they made it through that, um, whether it's reading a book or watching a video or, or looking at their post on social media. I'm just still in this like research phase. So I'm trying to absorb as much information as possible and to figure out like, what can I expect for the ups and the downs of this journey? How did they make it through it? So I'm still learning. I'm still figuring it out. <laughs> I appreciate your honesty around that. And then finally, what is your parting advice for other femcanics finding their way in the skilled trades or mo- motorsports industry? To just be yourself. Don't try to to be someone that you think they want to see on social media or in person. If it's, you know, they want the model that's going to attract all the fans. Um, if that's not you, then don't do that to yourself. You will find the right sponsor to work with that will have the same values that you do. Um, just put a little bit of effort into that when you're trying to find them and not the first person that, you know, the first company that wants the the person that's going to get all the attention to, to make a quick sale. Um, it's more than just that. Because a lot of race fans, you know, it's it goes generations um, and they use the same products or they like the same teams that their parents and grandparents did. So just making sure you stay true to yourself because fans can tell when you're being fake, whether it's online or in person. So just always be yourself and be authentic. Love what you stand for and your message. Megan, where and how can people connect with you? They can find me on Instagram and Facebook at MeganMeyer.Racing. I'm also, um, my website is MeganMeyer.Racing or MeganMeyerRacing.com. And then if you want to know more about our team, you can go to RadyMeyerRacing.com. There you can learn about my sister and the other female drivers that we have on the team. I have so enjoyed this interview and more importantly and selfishly, I feel like I have learned a lot. So thanks for sharing some of your ideas and dropping some knowledge bombs on me. Well, thank you, Jamie. I'm, I, yeah, I didn't know where it was going to go, but I loved what we talked about and um, we should definitely do this again. I'm Megan Meyer, driver of the NGK Sparkplugs Top Alcohol Dragster for Reading My Racing of the NHRA, and I am a femcanic. Amy Bogner is in the driver's seat next. She is a 15-year painter and bodywork veteran. Amy gets real about her struggles with mental health and being a single mom in this industry. Be sure to tune in next week for this incredible episode. Until next time, Femcanics. Thanks for listening to the Femcanic Garage Podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Femcanic Garage. Check out our website, femcanicgarage.com, for swag and the transcribes for each episode. If you want to help grow this community, do me a favor and subscribe, rate, review, and most importantly, share this podcast. Spread the word. This is Jamie B. signing off. Are you a Femcanic? I reached out to you, Megan, because, one, we recorded the previous episode. Criminy, was that in March? April? Um, 
I think it was, yeah, like February, March. I mean, it's been a, a while. Yeah. And and I told you, you know, let's just talk because at that point you knew you were retiring. So let's just talk as if it's announced. But one of the reasons why I reached out to you is you had in one of your question answer sessions where you were just authentic and very candid about your kind of thoughts and perspective around a contributing factor of why you're kind of done. You had cool points with me before, but for for you to come out and say some of those things, I was just, I was blown away that you were that candid about it. Did you get any like backlash? No, not really. And I don't even remember exactly what I said when I was talking to you about it. But no, I mean, there's only one person that sent me an email and it was a guy and he just, he was like, just so pissed off said that, you know, I was like selfish for making this decision. You know, they need more people like John Force in the sport, not people like me. And what does that even mean? I mean, obviously he had, um, he has some issues going on. So <laughs> I, I'm, I'm trying to follow, like, what does that even mean? Like John Force? I guess just cause he's, I don't know. He's what, like almost 70 and is still racing. He hasn't, well, he did take off this year. I think it might be the first year in his whole career that he's taken off a year. Um, he didn't say he was retiring. He just said because of COVID, they couldn't have enough um, funding from their sponsors to be able to run. So they just parked everything and they said they'll be back next year. Mm -hmm. But yeah, but he's like, it's just because he's been in it for so long that you know, I've only done it for five years professionally, so <laughs> not 50. <laughs> the The other thing I was kind of curious about is that you actually point blank called out like adultery and your observation of what happens kind of behind the scenes and how it doesn't align with your values. And that's a bold statement. Like, yeah, not that your values, right? It, but it's you saying that you don't agree with what is allowed to go on and i'm like holy shit and and i was i was stepping back and i'm like boy i wonder if she's gonna get any i mean granted you're you're knocking on the door of your retirement but what does that mean for sponsorship what it, there are all these things going through my head because you're like a, a model child sponsorships sponsorship is about saying the right thing at the right time let's be honest looking a certain way too being winning, like there's all these different things. And, and granted, I've never gone out and got sponsorship, so I'm totally making assumptions here. But I'm sitting there thinking, if I'm a business owner, who and what would I want to contribute my money to that represents my brand? And that's kind of the perspective that I took. I didn't really think a whole lot about sponsors when that was coming out of my mouth. No one has really said anything about that. And I mean, I think they're all aware that it it is it can happen. It doesn't happen very often, but it happened on our team. And it was very personal to me because it was two of my closest friends. And now they absolutely hate me. They blamed everything on me. One of them got fired. They were both employees. And so they didn't understand why that was wrong. And one of them was married with a kid with a pregnant wife 
And I was like, oh, man. But then, yeah, then, um, you know, right after we won the championship last year, they turned around and and blamed everything on me. They started yeah. calling all the crew guys and, and being like, why are you on Megan's team? She's such a, a B. And it's like, I didn't do anything wrong at all. Like I kept their secret for years. I, you know, I didn't even tell my dad until last year. And it, because it just became so obvious that they were together and yeah, it just, it was very personal to me. And so that's why I, I like, I am open to talking about it now. Um, especially because the fact that, that, that guy's gone, but the girl that he was with is still on our team and we're having a lot of issues now because me and her don't get along. And she, she even threatened to not even race this year because she doesn't want to be around me. And it's like, again, like I didn't do anything wrong. Like I don't get it. So, yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair. It was twofold. One, an email went out and I read your email and it was kind of, I think certain subscribers get the email and you explained the contributing factors of why you were retiring and that one, I had to go back and reread it three times to make sure I was reading it right. I'm like, did I read the word adultery? And I'm like, no, I did. I, it was just nice to see you be real. Yeah. And that takes guts to do that, Megan. I, I just have a lot of respect for you for doing that. And even more respect for you staying true to your values. Yeah. That takes a lot of courage to do that. And that's mm-hmm. what you did. Well, thank you. What was that like for you? There's a lot of people that watch you, look at you, whether you want to be on that platform or not, you are. Was mm-hmm. that hard? I mean, you said you didn't say anything for over a year. And yet here you are still the bad guy. You know, it wasn't hard because I've, I've just had enough of it, of their drama. And, and so... And that there's still some, there's still drama going on because now that guy works on another team, but still in the top alcohol class. And so he's, I don't know, he's, he's burning bridges, but trying to fix bridges at the same time because he knows, because everybody knows like that's his reputation now. And so he's trying to like fix bridges with other teams, um, but he's still like talking shit behind our back about me and my dad. And so it's just, I'm, I'm sick of like the drama that goes on and no matter what, it's always been there, you know, and our, our series isn't very political or very, um, you know, there's not a whole lot that does go on where like, if you look at like the pro ranks with the top fuel guys, um, I mean, there's a lot of drama and and sleeping around and sleeping with sponsors to get money to go racing and all that stuff all that goes on in the pro ranks it doesn't really happen in ours but this scandal is that part of the reason why you didn't want to go pro yeah that's one of the biggest reasons and also because I just didn't want to be gone um like I'm already gone a lot now um not so much this year obviously so like I do 17 to 20 races a year. They're doing 24, 25 races a year, which 
may not seem like a big jump, but that's what, that's two more months out of the year that you're Mm -hmm. gone and I'm already gone six months. And it's like, it's just so hard to have a healthy relationship at home when you're not there. Yeah. I I've every boyfriend I've had in the past has told me to quit racing and I never listened but then Adam was kind of the first guy that never said that. He was like, that's cool. Like you do your thing. I'll do my thing. Cause he, he does dirt bikes. Mm-hmm. He got it. He understood it. Yeah. 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 Um, but he just does it for a hobby for yeah. it. Like it's just complete hobby. It's just a one day race. That's it. Uh, but he understood it. And so I, I promised him, it was like, or like once we get married, like I will not, race like i have you heard about the show yellowstone that sounds familiar what is that a- it's like it's um out like in montana or something it's about like ranching and, and cowboys and all the all the yeah the the murder and everything else that goes on yeah on their ranch so we were watching that show last night and on the show um there's like an older guy who's talking to a younger guy and he, he works on the ranch, but he also wants to do rodeo, but he can't do both. And the older guy said to him, you can't be married to two different things. It just doesn't work. And I was like, that's exactly it. Like that's, mm. that's like the biggest reason why I'm retiring. Cause you can't be married to two different things. So I'm choosing a real marriage <laughs> over a, a racing career. Yeah. I love it, Megan. And if that isn't Femcanic garage related. I don't know what is right. Not not the marriage per se, but women have different questions they have to ask themselves because we carry children. Yeah, and it's a different type of conversation and decision that we have to make as women. And and I'll say as women because majority of the time men aren't faced with those types of decisions. It's a choice per se. Whereas you being pregnant. And getting in the car (laughs) and and going, you know, (laughs) that fast, uh, that's not really a choice. There's what's in the best interest of the child, (laughs) right? But um, this is my last curiosity question for you, Megan. What are you most excited about now? Does it feel just like a a weight's been lifted off your shoulder? Like there's like this bittersweet like sadness, but excitement too. I don't know. What is that like? Yeah. Um, so, and, and for both, for both the, the announcement of the retirement and also just the announcement of, you know, I'm done with this stuff that goes on behind the scenes. And, you know, it was, and w- whenever I did say like, there's adultery that goes on, it's kind of the first time I think anyone has really like said that it happens. So yeah, so it felt like a big weight was lifted off my shoulders when I did say it because I've been hiding it inside for so long. Yeah, I'm just I'm really looking forward to being home. I've like my whole life I've been gone. Like literally have never taken a year off. So I'm excited to actually just be home. Since you were a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Like I've missed out on like weddings and, and birthday parties and you know, just family reunion stuff that goes on. So I'm excited to do like normal stuff. Um we're planning on doing some more trips just like like a three-day weekend trip to Arkansas, which is just like five, six hours away from us and just go like camping and fishing and bike riding, Mm. just doing fun stuff 
like that. Just going out, relaxing, having fun. Well, one of my best friends is getting married two weeks after I am. And then another one's getting married next year. So it's like, those are like, I have to be there. Like that's non-negotiable. I don't care what's going on. So now I have the choice to, to, to decide, you know, if I'm going there and, um, and yeah, and then also just like working on my business stuff. Like I'm really excited for that. Um, we had a lot of people that wanted to enter the new beta group for the sponsorship program. The Instagram thing and, and hopefully the feedback that I gave it was helpful and yeah. gave a different perspective. But the the sponsor th- sponsorship thing that you don't see, you, you see a lot of Instagram like courses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't you don't see a lot of sponsorship courses. So kudos to you. And it's been fun watching you evolve and your business evolve. It seems like February is a whole nother lifetime ago. I don't know about you, but that's when we met in person for the first time. And I'm thinking back then, and (laughs) that just seems like a whole nother lifetime ago. But I remember having a conversation with you and saying, wow, this business thing, this sounds really interesting because I was curious what's next for you. And that's what you shared. And here it is. You're on to product two already. Yeah. And that yeah. takes a lot of work. So are you are you more are you most excited about the sponsorship beta that you're doing? Yeah. So I am opening up the e-course again at the beginning of October. So um I have hired a, a virtual assistant who works part-time. And so she's been helping me with like emails and, and launch stuff. So we've but like put together this whole strategy of how we're going to do the e-course. And of course I picked October, which is like the busiest month for me. Cause like <laughs> I'm getting married in four weeks. So she's going to be helping. When you send that out, I'm like, wow, you really like keeping yourself busy. I'm sitting there thinking yeah. back in my mind. Cause you just announced when your wedding was going to be, I'm like, Ooh, Wow. But you know what? I have I have like a good feeling because with the this second launch, like there's really not much I have to change. Like the course is all created. I just did a couple small updates. This one is going to be so much easier because I haven't I don't have to put as much time into it. We have a couple affiliates this year or this time, like you, and so I'm really hoping that it it grows a lot. But then. The beta is also in October because I was planning on launching that in November. And so what I thought of doing was a Black Friday um, bundle of for like 25% off or something. You could get both the e-course and the sponsorship program. Um, and then that would launch my that would be like my official launch of the, the program. And by e-course, it's specific to Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of my, my thought process on that. And then, I mean, I've also been um, starting to do a little bit of just like one-on-one coaching Mm -hmm. um, or even just like, like people giving me their logins to like their Instagram and Facebook and creating like a content calendar, like what's in the e-course, just like doing like social media management for them. So that's just, there's just ever since I, I, announced my retirement there's been so many like new opportunities that have come serendipity baby 
Yeah. So it's just, it's, I'm, I'm so excited to work <laughs> to do all this stuff. Yeah. That is super exciting. And, and I will say for the listeners, Megan gave me an opportunity to have kind of a sneak peek when she was creating the Instagram course. And what I will say, and I haven't seen anything with the sponsorship course, but with the Instagram course, questions I asked you, I said, well, is it just for racers? I'm not a racer. Now, I love automotive. I love motorsports. I love those things. But my business, I am not a racer, right? And is it applicable? And I kind of went into it expecting it to be 100% catered towards racers. So it's like, well, I can give Megan some feedback just from a different perspective, but I don't know if it'll be applicable to me. Um, and what I can say is your the theme is for racers. Yes, the theme. Uh, but the core content is agnostic to racer, racers specifically. It can be applied to any business. And that was the fact that it's quote unquote themed for racers is the way I describe it, right? Um, is fun for me because I like the industry. Uh, so anyone in the industry and anyone outside of the industry would get value out of it. And I was I was pretty impressed for for your first version of it, right? Because you gotta you gotta start somewhere. I, it was, if I'm being honest, Megan, it was way more robust than I was expecting. Yeah, and there's really only one video inside the e-course that is very specific for racers, and that's where mm -hmm. I go over the rule book. So I'm in NHRA, and they're very particular about where you're standing when you take pictures or videos or when you post them. Like they say you're not allowed to post anything about race results until the actual race is over because they they do a live feed on Fox Sports. And so they want people to go to the TV show to watch it. They don't want them to go to social media to see the results. And so um, what was really interesting that once the e-course was open, there's comment sections on each video. And so I tell people, I was like, if you have any questions, put them in the comment section. And that one got a couple because there were racers that are in different organizations. So like there's another drag racing one um, that's mostly for just like East Coast only. And they do eighth mile instead of quarter mile. And there was one like Australia and Europe. And it's like, these are people that, you know, I didn't even think about other types of organizations when right. I was making it. I was just focused on the, the one that I'm in because that's the one that I know. Right. And so um, so I was like trying to find the, their rules for, for what they race in and put the the rules for them um, inside the course. But I noticed that a lot of them don't even have rules about social media because they don't care. They want you to post as much as you can online about them. And so, um, so yeah, so that was something that was pretty cool um, after it was opened. Um, yeah, but that's really the part that is very specific for racers. But I'll say this, Megan, even when I viewed that, even though, like I said, the theme was that, and I'm not a racer, what it, the way I took it, and I'm not saying everyone would, is it got me thinking about when I go to different events or conferences or really anything along those lines. It actually got me thinking, hey, I need to check for that. Like, I didn't even think about that, right? It's like, I'm, I'm a spectator here. And I'm doing X, Y, Z. And as a new business 
oftentimes you don't think about those things, period. And when I heard that, it's like, oh, shit, I didn't even think about that. Now, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking about those things. Now, I haven't had an opportunity to really apply it yet because, well, one, when that came out, COVID, this beautiful COVID thing happened. But, you know, as it applies to me going to industry events and conferences and things and knowing those things ahead of time because the last thing you want to do is burn a bridge or be viewed as not the way you intended to be viewed you know just Mm -hmm. because you didn't check yeah so i i mean i i hear what you're saying about there's specific parts for racers but again i'll you can really still take a lot from it even if you aren't a racer yeah, for sure. Whether you're retail store or um, you do events or just an online business, everything in there applies to to really any type of business or or a brand that wants to use social media to to get a following and start to make money. Absolutely. Well, I wish you luck for all of those um and your future endeavors and i'm excited to see what unfolds for you and you had already mentioned uh you and i had already had discussions i am totally supporting your products you had an opportunity to kind of get behind the scenes and give you some feedback be in the beta for the um insta training or e-course that you're referring to and i was impressed I, I really was. And I've gone through a lot of courses. <laughs> I've gone through a lot of courses. I'm a, a serial uh, growth junkie. So personal growth junkie and constantly trying to figure out ways to improve and expand my business. So kudos to you. And I'm excited to watch how it unfolds for you. And safe travels. I know you're off. Yeah. Soon. Thanks so much, Jamie. Yep. Yeah, leaving tomorrow for our next race in Florida. So, which I'm excited because Adam is coming and it'll be his first time ever coming to this specific event. And um, I, I'm really excited for it because, um, you know, it's it's in the fall. Usually we race in Florida in March over like spring break time. And so it's kind of like a new playing field. Like no one has any data of what it's like to race at this track in October. When it's cooler. Yeah. So um, so it should be like really good conditions for us to make a lot of power and go fast. So I'm really excited for this race. I think, um, you know, I won it last year. I have a really good feeling we'll repeat this year. I, I have no doubts. <laughs> No doubts. It's always fun to see uh, you just riding in your car, getting pulled by the golf cart, waving to all the fans. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, kudos to you. And you just see them staring at you. It's uh, it, it's cool. It's cool to yeah. see that girl power. You know, not every racetrack. We are able to, on the, the way back to our pits, we're not able to drive by in front of the stands. And so we're always looking forward to those races where we can, because it just, it just adds so much more excitement onto it. Um, especially after like you win a race or like, or Or break a record. Yeah. Break a record. (laughs) And to be able to drive by and hear everybody cheering for you and, and fist bumping. And it's, that's just adds so much more onto it. So Gainesville, the race we're going to this weekend is not like that. So I won't get that opportunity this weekend. Uh, But yeah, that just, that means 
so much more to us as drivers getting that that next level um, like interaction with you the had fan. that experience the track you were at when you broke the record you got to do that right yeah that's yeah. way cool that was a <laughs> that was a fun little compilation video you had on your uh, uh, yeah if if you guys haven't gone and checked it out you should that, that was what 509 Am yes right? 509 so the record before that was a five. 10, which is 5.10 seconds. And it's been 13 years of everyone trying to break that record. And we finally did, and we did it twice. And um, I had to double take. I'm like, was that twice? Because I thought I, I thought I was watching the same video. I'm like, no shit. That's yeah. And what's kind of funny about that is no other racer that's in the the same class as us except for one or two came over to like say congratulations what yeah because i think they're they're just maybe mad at themselves or might be a little jealous that you know they weren't the ones to to break that record so (laughs) (laughs) and and a quote-unquote girl broke the record yes Yes, and a girl did it. So, yeah, and we are just <laughs> was your was your dad just be beside himself? Yeah, it was so funny. Um, so like if you watch, he seems so laid back. Like I was watching the video, and he he seems just kind of laid back, not excited, definitely, but kind of chill. Yeah, well, I think he knew. I think he like he tuned the car to do that, but he didn't tell anybody. Like I had no idea. And what's funny is they were, so they, they were doing like a live stream of the, the NHRA TV, which you can pay for if you want to watch it. They were doing a live stream of me, like after when I got out of the car and I'm just standing up there on the top end, waiting for the guys um, to come in and pick me up with the car. And I'm just standing there like, cause I had no idea yeah. it happened. Like no one ever told me. And so I'm just like, I thought it was just like a regular run. Like I knew it was fast, but I didn't know it was that fast. So you I shaved a whole really second nice. off. <laughs> yeah. Right. It, the, am I thinking about that? Right. A whole second you shaved or a 10th. Uh, no, it's a 10th, a 10th of a, a, tenth a, of a second. Okay. Or, sorry. That would be a hundredth actually. Five hundred zero nine. Yeah. Okay. Hundredth. So Um, yeah, yeah. And so, uh, but then, and when you watch the video from the starting line, like the, the crew guys, like they're all cheering because they see the wind light come on, but it's the most like delayed reaction because everyone's just standing there. Like, is there light bulbs missing on that scoreboard? (laughs) Like, is that real? And everyone's just like, what just happened? I saw them take a picture of the ticket where it actually shows the time on it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's so funny. And that that's my favorite part, too, is being on the starting line and seeing their reactions. Like, I absolutely love those videos. Like, the GoPro on-car videos are cool, but to me, watching their reactions are the best. And so that's another part that I'm looking forward to next year is getting to be a part of that. Different perspective. Yeah. Yeah, that's way cool, May. And I just have the opportunity to say thank you for being you and being courageous because it takes guts to do what you did and you could have easily not said anything and no one would know the difference uh but staying true to your values and being unwavering around that is some sometimes and oftentimes not the most popular thing 
but yeah. it's needed. It's needed. Yeah. We need more of that in the world. So thank you for being more of that in the world. <laughs> well, thank you, Jamie. And thank you for allowing me to um, have my voice on your podcast and, and, and share my opinions. Absolutely.